change though. You got a phone. Pick it up. Call me. How come we don't even talk no more? And you don't even call no more. We don't barely keep in touch at all. And I don't even feel the same love when we hug no more. And I heard it through the grapevine. We even beefing now. After all the years we've been down. Ain't no way no how. This bullshit can't be true. We family and a damn thing changed. Kolf at the Kolf, man. It is no holds barred. Today's program, we are bringing the heat. We are bringing the fire. On the program today, we've got ATP Tour Tennis. Roger Federer back on the winner's list. Who's looking good going into the French Open? We've got AFL football. What's going on with North Melbourne Football Club? Can they bounce back or is it time for Brad Scott to move on? And we've got the NBA playoffs from the States. Philadelphia go up 2-1 today against Toronto. We've got the Warriors and Rockets, Celtics and Bucks, and the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. And what about Russell Westbrook? Another first round exit in the playoffs. We're going to talk about that. It's an action-packed show here today on the latest episode this is no holds barred. First to be all spitting the first on my own album with a deal, but she got worse. So I came out, I would have killed the nigga first for I let him disrespect me or check me over some worse. Some bitch that I wasn't with. I would hit her to quit, but you would come and talk with her and tell her she was the shit. I told you no getting horrible, and you were smoking the car with her coming out of the bar with her stumbling half drunk like y'all was husband and wife or something. But me catching the fucking other niggas must have hurt your pride or something. Cause you won't fuck with the math of people like you wanted with me. When all I try to do is Show you that your bitch was shifty And every sister fans and all the shit that I produce You acting like I ain't your man's and lying like she can't be loose But I ain't really your friend I'm just trying to tell you the truth Don't hate the game or the player The one that's changing is you Here we are No Holds Barred Sports Podcast We are back in the studio It's great to be back on the airwaves There's been plenty of action in the sporting world, and we are going to be coming to you more often on the air once a week. Every Sunday, we're going to launch a new episode of the No Holds Barred Sports Podcast. Yes, it is Friday today here in Australia, but we are going to pump out an episode today because there's stacks that we need to talk to, talk about, I should say. We've got Friday night football tonight, Port Adelaide versus Collingwood. We will get to that here in a little bit. But we're going to start today's program here at No Holds Barred talking about AFL football. I'm going to touch on Melbourne Football Club and the Sydney Swans as well. But we are going to start with North Melbourne Football Club, the Kangaroos down there at North Melbourne. And they sit 1-5 and five on the season so far this year. And the barrels are well and truly focused on this football club and coach Brad Scott who having conversations with people out there he's been at the club for 10 years now at North Melbourne and the bottom line is this folks time is up time is up for Brad Scott at North Melbourne 10 years at a club is way too long unless you are an, an iconic coach and when I say that I'm talking about iconic coaches such as you know Kevin Sheedy or Alan Jeans, 
uh, Alistair Clarkson, if you want to talk about modern-day coaches uh, at Hawthorne. Uh, we're talking about all-timers here. Brad Scott is not that at all. Now, they have uh, got on the front foot with the recruiting over the last couple of years and a couple of preliminary final uh, appearances is the best they've been able to muster. But that was with uh, players that they really regenerated from other clubs, such as a Nick Del Santo, Jared Waite, uh, just to name a few. And there have been others, but they were two of the, uh, the more high-profile ones. Um, but North Melbourne there, right now they're devoid of uh, any kind of confidence. They're not playing for the coach. They look slow on the outside. Um, some of their so-called marquee players can't even get a touch. Uh, Jack Zebel has come under fire over the last couple of weeks, and rightly so. I think this guy has been overrated from the outset. Um, and he's another one here that, because he's the captain of the club, uh, he, uh, he gets a pass. Uh, very similar to Tex Walker, I believe, from Adelaide Football Club. Um, Tex is a player who uh, I think is highly overrated and has been for you know the last couple of years. Um, you know these guys just got to play consistent footy week in week out. You know days are gone where you know you play one solid game out of four or five. I think that's just absolutely ridiculous. You've got to be playing consistent footy week in, week out, especially if you're one of the marquee guys or you're the captain of the club. And that's just not happening uh, at North Melbourne. And they've got a bumper game this week against Carlton. And uh, Carlton have got a few injuries out. Mitch McGovern's out. Uh, Cade Simpson, big big uh, cruiser. And the tough new recruit, Nick Newman, uh, tough backman, um, so they're going to miss that there. So that brings North Melbourne into the equation. Carlton have been competitive, but, um, you know, this is a big game this week and uh, you can expect, I really think the heat is still on Brad Scott and North Melbourne Football Club, even if they do beat Carlton this week. And I think they, they should probably start favourites this week. Carlton's still very inexperienced and a lot of uh, experienced players in that team that will be missing this week. You know, big Matty Cruiser, uh, so frustrating, you know, plays one or two games and misses five or six. Durability is a big one uh, in the AFL. And if you, if you ask myself, um, it's a real key to, uh, to really being a, um, you know, a really solid, solid pro. And far too many players uh, are injury prone and missing games. But, you know, North Melbourne, the writing is well and truly on the wall. As I said, um, their club is in a lot of trouble, and I ex- expect as the season progresses that there's going to be continued talk about what to do with, uh, with this club. Uh, they've been under a lot of criticism uh, of late, and, and rightly so. And if they put up an absolute stinker this week against, uh, against Carlton Football Club, absolutely look out. Because uh, the vultures will be swarming and even more pressure goes on to Brad Scott. Um, and, you know, he's got another year to run on his contract. Uh, as I said, I think the time is up. Um, when he speaks at the podium, uh, he's always defiant, always sticks up for his club. That's great. That's fantastic. But you're delusional at this point in time, Brad. And uh, it's only a matter of time before uh, that situation comes to a, to a head. And, you know, 
where do North Melbourne go from here? Well, they're very lucky right now that they have uh, clubs such as uh, yeah, Melbourne Football Club who are struggling as well. And on that, we'll segue on to Melbourne. Um, this team finished last year, preliminary final. Uh, they were well and truly up and about. They had an explosive midfield, and you thought with the new rule changes coming in that uh, it would really suit them um, for their dynamic on-ballers and playmakers. But, you know, believe it or not, they are missing that man, uh, Jesse Hogan. They have a forward line that is inept right now, Melbourne. They've got no, no one to kick it to, and it's a big problem. Um, Wiedemann not getting the job done, McDonald not getting the job done, and while Fremantle are flying over there in the West and Jesse Hogan is putting in um, some very solid performances over there, uh, Melbourne Football Club uh, have been absolutely ordinary and uh, the gun is well and truly on them as well. Um, you wouldn't think that you know, one player such as a Hogan who um, was controversial, controversially moved on um, would make much of a difference uh, with the list and the structure of Melbourne Football Club. But the bottom line is it has. It's made a big difference. And Melbourne seemed lost uh, without him. And AFL football is a confidence game, ladies and gentlemen. And it doesn't take much for that confidence to just uh, wither away. And you can see it's uh, the Melbourne Football Club uh, uh, are fighting some real, uh, some real uh, anguish and they are up against it, sitting at one and five as well, I believe. And they uh, they look like they are in a world of hurt. And finals are really, really in doubt. So pressure has got to come on to Coach Simon Goodwin as well, uh, I believe, even though he was fantastic last year. But footy's a funny game. And when uh, you know, they say one week is a big week in football, and it is the only thing that takes pressure off a club, are wins, and they are harder to come by in the AFL now than ever. And uh, Melbourne Football Club and, and North Melbourne Football Club uh, are well and truly uh, under the pump. And as I said, the only reason uh, you know, North Melbourne should be thankful that a club like Melbourne are struggling as well because it takes a bit of pressure off them. Um, and both of those clubs really are uh, chasing... Uh, Chasing it, uh, chasing an uphill battle now to to qualify for finals. Well, North Melbourne definitely aren't going to play finals footy. Um, they are well and firmly will be entrenched down the bottom part of the ladder. Melbourne, I think, uh, still have the ability to make a run, but time is running out. They need to be around about round twelve. They need to be uh, sitting at uh, a fifty-fifty win-loss record, and if they're not, uh, it is absolutely lights out and a wasted season once again for uh, the the Melbourne Football Club. And another club I want to talk about here on today's show, Sydney Swans. Uh, look, I think the Sydney Swans are, are really starting to uh, suffer the consequences of the, the Buddy Franklin contract, the 10-year deal. Uh, I believe there's too big of a gap in uh, between their absolute elite Playmakers and uh, the rest of their squad, players such as uh, Kennedy, players such as uh, Luke Parker, um, players such as um, Kieran Jack, 
Although I don't think Kieran is now in that elite class. I think he's uh, he's probably a, a B-grade player now as opposed to an A or an A-plus player. Um, but they fall away uh, quick, smart, Sydney. And players such as uh, Ollie Florin and Harry Cunningham and, and Callum Mills, I just don't think these boys cut the mustard. Um, they are... Uh, Isaac Heaney is another one of the, those A graders, but they really drop off, and there's a big gap, as I said, right across the board. They've been an even team over the years with their success, uh, Sydney. They they have had their elite uh, playmakers, as I said earlier on, and they've had guys that were consistent B grade and uh, and B plus players. Now, look, I think the majority of their team are, are lucky to be B players. They're looking at the, at, at C grade level players for AFL standard and they are they're in a lot of trouble and I think for the first time in a long time uh, finals could be out of the question for the Sydney Swans this year. Alir Alir is another one who um, I believe he's an A grader. I think he'll win their best and fairest this year. Um, he's uh, He's been a rock for them at centre half back and he's been getting plenty of ball coming down that way too uh, because um, the Swans, uh, the Swans are just not uh, not as good as what as what they were, and the drop off has come quickly, and uh, that's what happens uh, in the AFL these days if you do not prepare for it, and they are finding that out now. The the Franklin contract was something that um, you know on the back end of it, uh, pundits thought that that may be a problem, and I think we're starting to see those cracks. I saw some early season games from the Swans. The first two or three games, and the bottom line is they just weren't that good. And I made the call early and said, "Look, they're no good." And based on their record uh, over the last decade, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people were talking about, "Oh, give them time; they'll they'll take a little bit of time to gel." But I just haven't seen it, and uh, they haven't delivered, and they are in a lot of trouble as well. And John Longmire, where to from him? Is his time up there at Sydney? Um, is he interested in the North Melbourne job? Uh, really need to pay attention to this space because, um, look, it may make sense. He has been at Sydney for quite a long time and, you know, maybe it's time for him to, uh, you know, to move on to um, some different pastures. Uh, I think Brad Scott, definitely 10 years, way too long. Um, the Sydney Swans job, one of the best jobs uh, in the in the country, but maybe John Longmire uh, is getting sentimental and maybe it is a fit for John Longmire to take the reins at North Melbourne Football Club. It's not an attractive job, the North Melbourne job, but I think uh, this is a space that uh, we really need to pay attention to in, in AFL circles, and we'll be, we'll be uh, definitely keeping an eye on this uh, at no holds barred. Coming up next, we're going to move on to ATP Tour Tennis, Roger Federer, back on the winner's list in Miami and what's going on uh, in the clay court season uh, so far. And Rafael Nadal, how's his French Open uh, campaign looking? Uh, There's some sharks out there circling, looking to uh, knock him off his perch there in Paris. We'll we'll talk about that and more uh, on the next next segment uh, of No Holds Barred. We'll take a break. This is Jade Kolf at the Kolf Man. We will be back here soon. Camcorder in the whole shit. Press for one, let it flow on screen while we're doing it. 
we pups the L Laying back in the gut while we're under the spell Word life, I like the way the F went down Go to sleep, tomorrow I'll take you back downtown We'll be doing it and doing it and Yeah, Brad Scott, North Melbourne Football Club. He's got to go. That club is in a lot of trouble. Ten years, too long. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Okay, we're going to segue on to some ATP Tour Tennis here on the No Holds Barred Sports Podcast. Great to be back on the airwaves with you. We'll be pumping out an episode a week, keeping you up in touch with everything that's going on uh, in the sporting landscape, both here in Australia and abroad. And ATP Tour Tennis, the French Open, is getting closer by the day. Over the last few weeks, we have had some very, very solid action. And it all started in Miami where Roger Federer was back on the winner's list, taking out the Miami 1000, uh, defeating American John Isner uh, comfortably. And Federer, from start to finish in that event, was absolutely unstoppable. Uh, He blazed past all before him, including some of the real young guns of the sport, the the next, next generation of stars coming through. He dismantled Denis Shapovalov in the semifinals. Really made short work of him, putting him in his place, and then took care of Isna very, very comfortably in the final. And, you know, Federer, uh, he's taking a bit of time off now, preparing for the for the clay courts. He hasn't played any uh, competitive clay court uh, action yet on tour. He's just been uh, quietly uh, going about his business on the practice court. First time he will be playing the clay court season in uh, in in about three years he has uh, taken time off to rejuvenate his body over the last few years, getting ready for the grass court season and Wimbledon. But this year, he, he says he's feeling good. He wants to, uh, he wants to play some clay court tennis. Uh, good news for the tour, uh, absolutely. Uh, and an interesting, uh, an interesting change of uh, scheduling for, uh, for Federer. A lot of people thought that this may be his swan song, that he may be... Uh, you know, playing some uh, some clay court tennis to, uh, you know, as uh, maybe his last go around in season 2019. But look, I just think Roger, he just wants to uh, play a bit more. He wants to give back. And uh, it'd be great to see him out there uh, in Madrid starting next week in the Madrid 1000, uh, where he'll make his first uh, tour appearance on the clay courts of, uh, on the ATP tour, um, starting there in Madrid next week. Also uh, in Miami, Ashley Barty of Australia uh, won her first 1,000 event. Uh, an incredible result for her over Carolina Pliskova. And I've picked this a while ago. I said Barty was really knocking on the door to, to winning a, a big event. It's her biggest uh, event win so far. And now she'll turn her uh, attention to the French Open where I don't think she's a chance to, to win there. But I definitely think she's a chance to win uh, at Wimbledon. Um, Without a doubt, and it was only a matter of time before she burst into the top ten, and she did that after her her Miami one thousand win. She brings a lot to the table, Ashley. She's a she's a great country girl from from up north uh, in Ipswich. She uh, she's got a beautiful slice backhand, a great all court game, and she is 
uh, very, very humble and grounded. And I possibly see her going uh, top five over the next uh, the next 12 months, without a doubt. Look out for her. She is definitely a Wimbledon threat. And uh, the prediction I made quite a while ago that she was knocking on the door uh, did came to uh, its fruition with that Miami 1000 title. And um, congratulations to her. She's been absolutely fantastic. Um, Rafael Nadal, we're going to segue on to Rafael Nadal. He has, uh, hasn't been as dominant on the clay uh, so far this season. A couple of losses. Dominic team uh, took him out in the semifinals in, at the Barcelona five, 500 there um, just, just last week. And team went on to win there in Barcelona, taking out uh, the Russian Dani Medvedev in the final. Um, team seems like the biggest threat outside of Novak Djokovic. Um, to uh, upset Nadal at the French Open. Um, team made the final there last year. Nadal picked him apart, took him to pieces. But Nadal, I think he's still struggling with that uh, with that knee injury. Uh, hasn't been, uh, as I said, hasn't been uh, as dominant, making far too many errors off the forehand side, which is unlike him. And he was also exposed in Monte Carlo uh, by the Italian uh Charismatic Italian Fabio Fognini, who went on to win that title in Monte Carlo, the biggest uh, win of his career. Uh, an amazing week from Fognini. He does his best work on the clay courts. Um, still a solid hardcore player, but Fognini's a, he's a, probably a t- arguably a top five player on clay when he's in the right mood and he is locked and loaded mentally. He took out uh, big Sasha Zverev in round two, um, then went on and, and took out Nadal, crushed Nadal, 6'4", six, 6'love, six, in the uh, in the semi-final and then beat uh, Jusan Lajovic in the final very comfortably for Fognini's biggest win of his career there in Monte Carlo, the Monte Carlo 1000. Um, and then, as I said, Nadal he uh, he got uh, he he lost a comfortable one. Dominic team in Barcelona there last week, and it was the Russian uh, Dani Medvedev who I've had big raps on uh, for quite a while now, uh, who team took down. In the final there. Medvedev, the big Russian, he was the one that gave Novak Djokovic plenty of fits there in Melbourne at the Australian Open. And he is putting together an impressive season. He's about 26 and 7 on the season, Medvedev. And he is on the brink of knocking on the door of the top 10 also, the six foot five Russian, who, uh, you know, is very, uh, really slides under the radar. Uh, he's, but he's, uh, as I said, six foot five, got a big serve. Is an absolute beast from the back of the court, and um, he's one that's going to be in the top ten. And you'll be hearing a lot more about him. Uh, hasn't got much charisma or much, much flair, Medvedev, but uh, as I said, very quiet. Um, he's got a, a beautiful two-hand backhand. Not much can go wrong with that shot. Slaps the forehand. Has a big game. Is very consistent. Long reach. A lot of things going uh, go in his favour. And it's only the absolute very best that are, uh, that are beating him on a week-to-week basis now on the main ATP tour. So Dani Medvedev, one to, uh, to look out for. And as the French Open uh, gets closer, um, I think it's the, the same names that are going to be in the equation. I think the Nadal pulling up short in Monte Carlo and Barcelona is a real blessing in disguise. He really knows what he's up against now. And there is talk of that knee uh, flaring up and giving him a few problems, that, that tenderness. Uh, look, 
I'm not too sure whether that's the case or not. Um, I just think he's going through a patch right now where he's not playing his best tennis on the clay. Um, it's still taking uh, some of the best clay quarters in the world to knock him out. Um, Fognini and team are two of the best getting around on that surface. And um, it's not like those losses have been uh, 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 absolute horror stories for Nadal. Um, and I think that as we get close to the French Open, I think it's all set for some absolutely pulsating matchups with Fognini, Nadal, Dominic team, Federer in the mix, Novak Djokovic. Um, Stan Varinka will have something to say about it as well as he, uh, he works his way back to 100% fitness. And then you've got the younger brigade, uh, as I said, with Dani Medvedev, um, the other big Russian, Karen Kachanov. Um, there are some real uh, mouth-watering uh, possibilities uh, that uh, we will continue to bring you here at No Holds Barred. And we will talk more about the French Open build-up uh, on the next episode in about 72 hours' time and what's going on uh, on the on the ATP Tour in Munich and both in Estoril in Portugal, the 250 events going on there on clay. A couple of minor events, but um, there are some uh, big players there um, playing, looking to really fine-tune their clay court games before we move into the second major of the year. Coming up next, we're going to talk NBA today. It was the Philadelphia 76ers took a 2-1 lead over the Toronto Raptors with Joel Embiid, absolutely unstoppable. We'll talk more about that, and we'll talk about the other matchups with the Warriors and the Rockets and the Celtics Bucks and the Nuggets and the Blazers, what to expect. This is Jade Kolf at the Kolf Man on the No Holds Barred Sports Podcast. We'll be back in just a few moments. My niggas, <laughs> throw your hands in the air right now, man. Feel this shit right here. Scott Storch, nigga. Yeah, Khaled, I see you now. And we're back in the studio, the No Holds Barred Sports Podcast, Jade Kolf at the Kolf Man, and we're about to segue on to the NBA playoffs in the United States. Yes, it's all going on over there, and today I saw a crackerjack matchup, the Philadelphia 76ers and Toronto Raptors, round two out east in the playoffs, and it was the Philadelphia 76ers today taking care of business against the Raptors. And it was that man, big Joel Embiid, who dominated from the outset, the big man in the middle, seven foot two, and around about 270 kgs. Oh, 270 pounds, I should say, not 270 kgs. Looking at about 120 kilograms of absolute frightening uh, size and muscle in the middle. And he was the difference today in this series. Uh, This series is one that uh, I believe really uh, possibly goes uh, seven games. I give 
the advantage to Toronto based on the home court advantage, but Philadelphia snapped that home court advantage, uh, seized control of the home court after their win in game number two, and uh, the Toronto Raptors need some more help for for their guy, uh, Kawhi Leonard. He's not getting uh, enough support at the moment. Um, Kyle Lowry at the point guard position has been quiet. Uh, Sergi Barker continues to stink it up in this series. Uh, we have not had a Sergi Barker sighting. The big man has been non-existent uh, while Embiid just continues to, to go to work. And, and for Philly, uh, they are sharing the workload right now. Uh, Jimmy Butler was the man in game number two, uh, having over 30 points. Uh, he was the closer in that series. Ben Simmons is just uh, really just pinch hitting right now, just picking his spots, not having to uh, really uh, do a whole lot. It's really uh, he's he's kind of playing that that third wheel at the moment. Um, but he has he had a big game uh, uh, when it really mattered most in uh, in round number one. But it's really uh, it was really all about Embiid today. And they really had no answer for him uh, from the outset. And uh, it's really concerning for uh, Toronto now. If they, uh, they fall down uh, f- four behind three, uh, three games to one in this series, it is a long way back. So game four is going to be uh, absolutely so, so important for them. Uh, Leonard's been absolutely lights out in this series, shooting upwards around about you know, 53 54% for the series, uh, you know, averaging well over 30. There's not much more he can do, but he just needs support. Kyle Lowry has got to do something from the point guard position. Uh, this guy uh, has cop criticism over his time for his lack of, uh, lack of performing in the playoffs when it matters most. And we are heading down that route once again. Uh, Kyle Lowry, the... Uh, the gun is well and truly entrenched on you. You need to step up, uh, help out uh, your superstar in Kawhi Leonard or Toronto are going to exit early in this series. Um, but Embiid today, he was an absolute monster. He did everything. He did everything uh, from inside and out, uh, passed the ball, played defense, blocked shots. He was completely dominant. Um, there is a concern, uh, always a concern with Embiid. In regards to his, uh, you know, does his body hold up? Uh, he uh, he gets a lot of treatment in between games, and it really uh, Philly have really got a decision to make moving forward who they commit to for their roster in terms of when it comes to contracts. Jimmy Butler, a free agent after this year, do they pay him the big bucks? Does he go to LA? Um, he has some options there. He has some leverage there, Butler, and uh, Simmons. I think is the guy you keep. Uh, moving forward, out of the out of the three guys, Simmons and Butler, uh, Embiid, he is as I said, he is uh, he's a lightning rod. Not about that. He he has it all. He's uh, pure entertainment. He is charismatic, and when he's in that frame of mind, in that mood, he's the most dominant big man in the game. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, but the injury uh, concerns are always there. Uh, over an 82-game series, 82-game uh, season, um, when you're averaging 55 to 60 games a year and you are a big man uh, and you have had a history of uh, injuries, it is a risk to pay uh, max money on a contract. And for 
that guy to be your franchise and go-to guy. But his importance uh, is not to be underestimated. As he showed today, he is must-see TV uh, during these NBA playoffs when he's in that frame of mind. And he was the man today to power home Philadelphia to lead the Toronto Raptors now two games to one. Joel Embiid, you are a star. Up next, we're going to talk Warriors and Rockets. Can James Harden and Chris Paul and the Rockets please stop complaining about the refereeing and just play basketball? They are outmatched down 2-0. We're going to come back on the No Holds Barred Sports Podcast and talk about that. This is Jade Colf at the Colf Man. It is NBA playoffs time stateside. Yeah, Embiid, he was a beast today, absolute beast mode. Toronto, back to the drawing board. We're back in the studio, we're about to talk Warriors and Rockets and a couple of things to touch on in this series and then we are done because I think this series is done. Point number one. Can James Harden and Chris Paul and the entire Houston Rockets organization quit the complaining and the whining about the referees and being hard done by on some of these calls? Guys, it's the playoffs. Regular season and playoffs are different, and they always have been. Referees let play go more in the playoffs. It's more of a physical brand of basketball. It's not your ticky touchwood. Um, get a foul call every time you go to the rack and lay the ball in, um, as James Harden uh, likes to think it is. But the playoffs, it's just tougher, tougher basketball. They referees don't want to uh, uh, over-officiate. They don't want to... Uh, be the dictator of, of games or outcomes. They want the players to uh, to control that. And even though uh, the league is not as physical as what it used to be during the um, the Jordan and the Shaquille O'Neal and the you know somewhat the the Kobe Bryant days, um, the league is softer. Yes, uh, but when the playoffs roll around and, and as we get deeper and deeper into the playoffs, they let players play. That's what fans want to see. That's what um, that's what they want to see. It's what the league wants to see, and you know the Rockets complaining about uh, about calls and um, you know fouls in uh, calls that should have gone their way in game number one uh, is absolutely ridiculous. What what they're doing is what the Houston Rockets are doing is they are trying to manipulate the referees and manipulate the league to make ground up on the Warriors because as as we've seen from these first two games, uh, the Warriors are just, they have all the answers. Um, I wouldn't say they're a class above, but 
I don't think that this is as even as what uh, what we first thought. Kevin Durant has just gone to a whole new level. Uh, to have uh, a seven-footer that can handle the ball, shoot, get a bucket any time that, uh, that he wants to. Um, from the first two games in this series, you take a look at the best player on the Rockets, James Harden, and uh, you've got to say Kevin Durant's the best player on, uh, uh, on the Warriors, and the difference between those two is real startling, really, through the first two games. And that is a major, major problem for the Rockets. I don't think the Rockets are really long enough uh, defensively. Look at their James Harden, Chris Paul. As good as that backcourt is, they're not really that long. Harden at about six foot five, six six. Chris Paul, you know, you're six two kind of guard. In terms of length defensively, they really don't have that. Uh, you have players such as you know PJ Tucker, Eric Gordon. These guys are not, you know, Austin Rivers is another one there. They haven't got tremendous length defensively. Uh, Clint Capella is probably the only guy, the their, their big man that, uh, you know, has that long, lean, athletic look about him. You take a look at the Warriors. Listen to these names here. Kevin Durant, seven foot with like a seven foot six wingspan. You've got Clay Thompson, six foot eight, six foot nine. Um, you know, long length defensively. Andre Iguodala, about six foot seven, six eight, long length defensively. Uh, Livingston off the bench, long length. Even Steph Curry, six foot four, even though he's he's kind of he kind of hides on defense a little bit. You know, fast hands. Um, you know, quick hands in there. Draymond Green, another one. It's just it's so tough to score on this uh, on this Warriors outfit. And as talented offensively as the Rockets are, with um, with some of their scorers, with Harden and, and, and Chris Paul, of course, uh, they are struggling to put the, to, to make buckets. It's really as simple as that. The Warriors are able to switch defensively uh, nonstop. Um, they give up no size at all on any of these switches. They, they are just absolutely lights out. They are a real handful. And I think after that first game, after you know the Rockets came out nonstop complaining, uh, I think the Warriors got pissed. They got pissed off with that, and they come out and made a statement in game number two. They lead 2-0 in this series as it heads back to Houston, and absolute must game three win for the Houston Rockets. Yeah, I think the Rockets win games in this series. I think it probably still goes six games, um, but... They have really got to turn it around quickly because after the first two games, they find themselves in a hole again and they are trying to crack the code that is the Warriors. Um, And that code is not cracked by whinging, complaining, um, trying to manipulate uh, the series. Adam Silver, NBA commissioner, is not going to stand for that. The referee is not going to stand for that. It's time to just play basketball, play uh, head-to-head, tough-nosed basketball Prove your worth. Prove that uh, you belong in the same arena as these uh, these Warriors. And I think if they do that, they win games in this series. But I see the Warriors winning this series in six games. And we're going to bring you all the highlights and the coverage here at No Holds Barred. Up next, we're going to wrap up the program. We're going to talk Denver Nuggets, Portland Trailblazers, uh, big Nikolai Jokic in the middle for Denver. A real handful, but that series tied at 1-1. And we're going to talk Boston Celtics, 
and the Milwaukee Bucks. That series tied at 1-1 as well as we head back to Boston. It's all going on stateside in the NBA playoffs. Jade Kolf at the Kolf, man, at your no-holds-barred sports podcast. Back in the studio in just a minute. Ice in your eyes is a look of resentment. I can sense it and I don't like it. We don't even talk no more. And you don't even call no more. We don't barely keep in touch at all. And I don't even feel the same love when we are no more. And I heard it through the grapevine. We know this bullshit can't be true. We family in a damn thing changed. Let's watch him at first to be honest with you. Yeah, back in the studio. No holds barred studio. Great to be back on the air. Plenty happening in the world of sports. We're talking NBA basketball stateside. Yeah, James Harden, man. Just quit complaining. Play hoops. Being outplayed right now. Kevin Durant controlling this series. But we're going to segue on to... The other series out west, the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. Portland, fresh off their crushing of Russell Westbrook and the Oklahoma City Thunder, Damian Lillard, the man of the moment there, sinking that 35-footer and dagger as he waved goodbye to the Thunder. But they've got their hands full in this series with the Denver Nuggets and... When I say got their hands full, it's the big man in the middle, big Nikolai Jokic, the big center. He was dominant in game number one. He did everything. This big guy, very similar kind of mold to Embiid, not quite as athletic as Embiid, but what a passer that Nikolai Jokic is. He finds players all over the court. All the, the offense runs through him and He was dominant in the first game. Portland bounced back, winning game number two. Lillard had a quiet ball game, but it was his supporting cast of CJ McCollum and co that really chipped in, got the win 97-90, and the series tied one all as it heads back to Portland. And this is a series out west that really, I think it comes down to whoever out of their marquee players, whether it's Jokic or it's Lillard, who is the most dominant, and they need a little bit of support from their supporting cast. Not much, but I think, um, look, whoever wins this series here, it's going to be those two guys. They're, uh, that's their marquee guy, uh, Jokic for Denver, Damian Lillard for, for Portland. And uh, it's really an interesting series. This one really, you know, it's, it's a 50-50 bet, this one. Uh, look, with the home court advantage, the, the Denver Nuggets, you've got to give it to the home court team. Uh, if it goes seven, they'll have the last game on their home floor, which, um, you know, cannot be underestimated. That's for sure. And it's really such an interesting matchup. Uh, Portland like to go, obviously, go through Lillard and CJ McCollum uh, through the backcourt, running high pick and rolls, get the ball in Lillard's hand and... and as for Denver, um, they've got the big man Jokic. They like to they like to go through him and have him create, which is a little bit a, a little bit opposite to the way the NBA is these days. It is guard guard centric, guard dominant. Um, shooting is where it's at and what it's all about. 
Um, but Jokic is a bit of a throwback. He does it all. He actually shoots from the outside. Uh, an incredible passer, probably the, the best passing big man in the league. No doubt about that. And, um, you know, 1-1 one, one as uh, we head to uh, we head to Portland uh, today for, for game number three. And really hard to pick these two squads. Um, they uh, lack the... Lack the star power that some of these other teams have. They lack the star power that Boston has, that uh, the Houston Rockets, obviously the Warriors. Um, but, uh, look, they're a good, consistent side. They've got, uh, you know, a couple of, a couple of star players that, um, that they really rely on. And that's what makes this matchup uh, so enticing. Uh, we're going to bring you all the action on the next uh, on the next episode. We'll give you an update on where this series sits. Um, I've got Denver winning this series in seven, um, uh, but uh, expect Damien Lillard and CJ McCollum and the Portland Trailblazers uh, to be excited uh, as they now have the home court advantage. Denver have got to uh, have got to get one of the next two, otherwise they are in a world of hurt. Up next, we are talking Celtics and Bucks. Kyrie Irving, uh, Giannis of the Bucks, uh, and can we get a Jason Tatum sighting, please, in Boston? The the second year phenom has been an absolute no show, but Kyrie and Boston playing on their home floor today, looking to take a two one lead. We're going to come back. I'm going to wrap up the show. This is Jade Colf at the Colf Man. This is No Holds Barred. We are back. No holds barred. We're in the NBA playoffs stateside. A little bit of LL Cool J there. Great playlist here at No Holds Barred. What a jam. And... NBA playoffs, as I said, Boston Celtics, Milwaukee Bucks, and what a series this is turning out to be. A couple of blowouts the first two games, but look, when you looked at this one from afar, uh, getting these two squads in round number two is uh, really spoilt if you are an NBA fan, and one all, we're heading back to Boston, um, and the Celtics, uh, with Kyrie Irving uh, leading the way, have the home court advantage. They stole home court advantage uh, in uh, in game one versus the Bucs as they absolutely dismantled them. But the Bucs bounced back. Giannis, a big game. Uh, Chris Middleton got hot from outside. He, uh, he was phenomenal. And... Uh, they had uh, a good even spread of scorers. Did the Bucks where uh, Boston were uh, were ice cold, cold? Simple as that. But in saying that, Boston did what they wanted to do. They wanted to get a split. They got that first game, and when a team always gets that first game on the road, uh, 
Game two always seems to be a blowout. Uh, they were they uh, they were thoroughly outplayed, and that's just the way it really pans out uh, as they head back to Boston. And uh, I think Boston will be a different side back there on their home floor. Uh, Kyrie Irving continues to be the man for uh, for Boston, and I think they go as far as what he's able to take them. But he needs some support. Jason Tatum has been. Absolutely non-existent so far from, from the first two games. They need him to step up. Al Horford, they've got great balance, Boston, uh, and experience. Al Horford, Gordon Haywood had a good game in uh, in game number one. Um, Tatum, he, he needs to uh, he needs to come to the party um, as this series uh, as this series moves on. And of course, they got Kyrie Irving, um, who is just a phenomenal talent and. Uh, a guy that you can uh, that can get your buckets any time that you're needing uh, needing a score as the shot clock runs down, and uh, you know for the Bucks, you know obviously Giannis, uh, he is the the main guy there. I believe he'll be the MVP of the league this year. But Chris Middleton really stood up in game number two. Look, Middleton, I think if Middleton's your second best player at this stage, I think you're in trouble. Look, don't get me wrong, Middleton. A very very good player. I think he's a he's probably a B plus, a B plus player uh, on the Kaufman scale. And you know, is that enough? You got Giannis, your A plus player. Look, Middleton. I think I think it's very difficult if to win a championship if Chris Middleton's your second best player. I mean, this guy he played. You know, when it comes to uh, look, he's a real pro. He's a, he's a real pro's pro. He, he played three years college ball. You know, worked his way into the league. Um, you know, found himself back in the back in the development league with the the the, the Fort Myer ants. Can you believe it? Uh, um, now look, he's a borderline all star. Is Middleton? Uh, he's just he's a grinder. He's a worker. Uh, he's not uh, he's not a, a freakish talent like a Kyrie Irving, um, like a uh, like a Kobe Bryant, like like one of these guys. Um, but if he's your second best player, I think it's going to be very difficult to to win a championship. I think it puts a lot of pressure on Giannis. He's got to be absolutely perfect and phenomenal, uh, putting up numbers right across the board. Does Giannis? In this situation, I think Middleton's a he's a number three or a number three player or a number four player on a championship team. Definitely like a number four. If he's your fourth best player, you are a championship contender. Um, but definitely a number three. Um, if they have had another player in there where Middleton didn't have to be the number two guy, I think you look. I think the Bucks could go all the way. Um, but you know. I think as as it goes along, Middleton he was outstanding in game number two, but he's going to give you that. He's got to be able to do that, uh, you know, the next game and then the next game. You know, give me three, four, five, five of these games in a row um, in a series such as this Boston series. So if he's able to produce that, I think the Bucks can win this series. I've got Boston winning this series. I think they've got, you know, too much depth with uh, with, with Haywood, with Kyrie Irving, with Jason Tatum, Al Horford. Um, the youngster, Jalen Brown, um, they've got good athleticism. Uh, I think the Celtics are hungry. Uh, look, uh, I think uh, it's a it's a tantalising series, and uh, I have Boston winning this series, and I've got Boston actually going all the way to the NBA Finals. Um, 
But it is uh, the Bucks throughout the regular season. Um, phenomenal, uh, phenomenal regular season. But as we know, the playoffs are different. It's about matchups. It's about stars. And if Chris Middleton is your number two guy, I think you are going to you're going to struggle because he needs to be able to deliver uh, each and every night and it puts a lot of heat on Giannis. And, you know, is Giannis up to it? He may be. Um, it's certainly going to be uh, very, very interesting watching, that's for sure. But Jason Tatum's got to show up. Uh, non-existent. Uh, the super rookie from last year, um, you know, coming out of Duke after his freshman year, he um, now's the time for him to really, sh- you know, uh, put up some numbers, uh, make some buckets, you know, shoot some threes, and, and really uh, give uh, Kyrie some support. Now, if Tatum doesn't show up, look, Boston have got other guys that can chip in offensively. Al Horford, as I said, Gordon Haywood, um, Jalen Brown can put up some numbers. Um, they've got a solid bench. Um, but Tatum, if he if he really wants to be the number two guy there and really wants to put his name forward to to be the be the alpha dog or a number one guy in the future for this franchise, then he needs to start making some buckets and performing on the big stage because he has been, as I said before, absolutely uh, an absolute no show for the for the first two games. And uh, look, take advantage of having Kyrie Irving on your squad. Um, you know, I think Kyrie ends up in in New York next year. That is. Uh, that is another conversation to have and another show here on No Holds Barred. Right now, we are just going to be talking playoffs and we will get on to free agency as that uh, as that rolls around. But we are well and truly entrenched in the business end of the season. The whips are cracking and uh, Celtics bucks today from Boston. You need to uh, get in front of a TV and watch this one here um, because it is going to be an absolute beauty well there we have it that's it what a program here at no holds barred it's been an absolute pleasure bringing it to you back on the airwaves plenty of sport going on uh, around the world we'll be back in about 48 hours uh, for our weekly show, um, you can call this one a special podcast. We want to get back on the airwaves and and uh, reconnect with our fans. But uh, back in forty eight hours to talk uh, talk more sport, we'll give you the the weekly wrap up of games uh, from the AFL. Uh, we will be talking ATP Tour tennis, a couple of a couple of finals in uh, one final in Estoril, one in Munich. Uh, we've got two fifty events. Uh, going on there, uh, big Alexander Zverev. I see as it just came through on the feed on the No Holds Barred uh, Sports Podcast feed. There, live feed. Alexander Zverev, another early loss there, going down in the quarterfinals in Munich. So we're going to talk about that. Um, he's been all over the place, big Sasha Zverev, uh, and we're going to be talking uh, playoffs again. We'll give you the the full wrap of games. Um, Nuggets Blazers today, Celtics and Bucks. And uh, and the Warriors and Rockets will have another game ticked off by then. It's either going to be 3-0 to the Warriors or 2-1 Rockets back in town. But we're going to bring it all to you on Sunday. This is Jade Kolf at 
the Colf man. You've been listening to the No Holds Barred Sports Podcast. See you in 48 hours. And I'm feeling kind of horny Conventional methods of making love kind of horny I want to knock your block off Get my rocks off Blow your socks off Make sure your G-spot's off I'm gonna call your big daddy And scream your name Matter of fact, I can't wait for your candy rain So what you saying? I get my swerve on Bring it live Make it last forever Damn, the kitty cat's time Daddy, slow down your flow Put it on me like a G, baby Nice and slow The podcast you just heard Was made using Anchor Ever thought about making Your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.